Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, and uh, today we're going to be talking about a few different topics. First, I wanted to cover the recent opinion piece uh, that was done on CNN by Jeremy Balenson, and he basically is talking about how VR is training school shooters. Uh, and then we're going to talk about how President Trump has been inviting uh, or is planning to invite video game industry people to the White House to discuss video game violence. And then we're going to go into a little bit about um, this toxicity in online gaming, most notably because there was an Overwatch pro who recently made some derogatory comments uh, about somebody on a Twitch stream and how it's going to affect kind of his spot on the on the team and, and, and being a professional uh, esports uh, player. Um, along with uh, Ubisoft, kind of go along with that. Um, before we begin, though, I always want to appreciate everybody for watching. You can always like, subscribe, share. We really appreciate that subscribe button right down there. And uh, just a reminder that Drop Rate is a collective of three different people. But if you specifically like my content, always look for the little dude with my shirt in the corner, the little pixelated dude. Uh, that's how you're going to know to get to my content specifically. So then uh, beginning here, uh, first we want to talk about this CNN article. So I'm, I'm going to read part of the article and then I'm going to slowly... But surely chip away at it because it's it's really asinine and uh, it was really well I guess quite frankly it was offensive in many different ways but we'll just kind of go through it here and, and and talk about it as everything kind of comes out and and we'll just kind of see where we go from there um, so th this is the beginning of the article again by it's an opinion piece by Jeremy Balenson it came out um, Monday at ten thirty in the morning. Uh, last week, Dick's Sporting Goods banned the sale of assault-style rifles and Walmart raised the age of all gun buyers to 21. While our politicians debate next steps, these companies took swift action. Virtual reality hardware and software companies which design top-selling video games should follow suit. Video games have one mandate, to be fun. But the companies that create and market them must also be socially and morally aware. They must consider the kinds of experiences they are developing, especially in first-person shooter games. Okay, pausing the article for a second. So right away I have issues with the way this guy speaks. So either he doesn't understand the industry at all or because he's not using proper lingo or he's trying to write this article to talk to people who don't understand the industry. Uh, so I'm not sure which is worse, someone writing an Ill, someone who's ill-informed writing an article or someone who's writing an article to try to talk to ill-informed people and keep them as ill-informed as they already were. So the first thing uh, that I noticed right here was video games have one mandate to be fun. That's I actually don't agree with that. As silly as that sounds, I, I think there's a difference that needs to be made very specifically. There's a difference between fun and enjoyment. Okay, if you guys are still following me here. So bear with me here for a second. Fun is a, like I don't consider <laughs> I don't consider dying on Dark Souls a thousand times fun. But you know what is, I get enjoyment out of being challenged and then overcoming that challenge, right? So that makes sense to me as opposed to someone just saying, well, it has to be fun. If you're not having fun playing a game, then that's the only mandate of a video game. That's not accurate. Not to, I mean, and I'm not even counting like the fact that there's games that are meant like we fit for losing weight or brain age, which is really like meant to sharpen your, your quick skills, your quick thinking skills. It's nothing like that. I'm not even counting those. I'm counting straight up games. Not every game. And you could argue, oh, well, overcoming the challenge is fun. Well, I guess. But fun is a little bit different from like getting enjoyment out of something. You know, I, I think I think we need to make that distinction. And so first, I thought that was really arrogant of him to just say instantly video games have one mandate to be fun. They don't. And so, again, this is somebody who just doesn't understand 
what it's like to be playing games. Some, some games, like, is it fun to play an emotionally taxing game that at the end is very sad? Is that fun? No, but I loved the emotion that it elicited from me. I loved uh, that it made me feel something. I like music and movies and games that make me feel something emotionally. Is it fun? Like, I don't think I finished that going, man, that was really fun. You know, the end of, uh, <laughs> you know, Shadow of the Colossus at the end was really fun, that story, you know, or or like uh, Last Guardian or, or, or like, um, you know, some of these really sad games that just come out. And it's not that they're not good games it's just that they're not they're not really fun it's it was an experience it was a a storytelling experience you know uh so continuing on with the article there is at least one documented case of a killer using a first person shooter game to improve his combat skills at least one okay out of how many millions billions of people on the planet millions of people that play video games there's at least one so this guy in all of his digging he found at least one. Uh, according to The Guardian, the Norwegian shooter Andrew Brevik told the court in 2012 that he used a holographic aiming device in the game Call of Duty to develop his target acquisition abilities. Brevik played a two-dimensional game, but virtual reality can take skill acquisition to a new level. Players can look all around the scene instead of just staring at a screen. Handheld devices vibrate to simulate touch. Most importantly, players use their arms and bodies to engage in full combat moves instead of just hitting buttons. As a result, the brain's motor system is engaged. Repeated movement while in virtual reality causes changes in brain structure, which in turn improves performance in the real world. So I got a whole bunch to go through. So we got to stop again because there's a whole bunch of things here. At the end, when he notes that he cha that there's changes in brain structure, he actually cites a study about virtual reality. I'll get to that. Um, but first, Brevik played a two-dimensional game, but virtuality can take skill acquisition to a new level. Players can look around the scene instead of just staring at a screen. Well, I don't. there's no difference between a virtual reality game and a first-person shooter. When in virtual reality, I can turn my head and look, or I turn the analog stick and I look. There's no difference there. Like, like it's, it's just a control mechanic. So instead of having to move, I have a TV attached to my head is the way to think of it. It's not that I'm magically in some virtual real reality world where I can't control my, you know, I can't control and, and I can't tell the difference between where I am. It, this, this is the sort of stuff that's really, really, really frustrating to me. And I've talked about this and ad nauseum probably for a lot of you have been listening the last few weeks. We've been talking a lot about the violent video game debate and Trump blaming games and, you know, this uh, Kentucky governor blaming video games and having all these ridiculous um, contradictory statements about what, you know, we can't we can't rush out and, and blame guns, but we can rush out and blame video games. Right. So anyway, so that that's another issue of him not understanding. Like, I don't know if this guy's ever played virtual reality or played a game, but let's keep going. So players can look around the scene instead of just staring at a screen. Handheld devices vibrate to simulate touch. OK, uh, well, let me keep going here for a second. Uh, <laughs> most importantly, players use their arms and body to engage in actual combat moves instead of just hitting buttons. Okay, so have you ever watched somebody play VR? This guy clearly has not. Because you're standing in a room, you don't, it's not like we have full, like, you're not, you're not running around a warehouse with a virtual reality set he headset on. You're sitting in, like, a 5x5 five five area, or 10x10 10 10 area, 
and you're moving within that area. So what are you saying? Comet moves like you can you can look around and, and move with your head and move your arms. There's no training that will give you the experience of holding an actual weapon, especially VR. So um, I don't have them out of the box, sadly, but I have an Oculus Rift, which I quite enjoy. Um, the, uh, the, con- the the controllers that uh, engage actual combat moves are like, it's like holding a coffee mug, kind of. Like, you could argue that it's like the handle of a pistol, but it's not even really, because it's got these big circles, and and like, it, it it's it's like holding, to me, it's like holding a screwdriver that, you know, or, or a cup of coffee, you know, I, it, it's not, it's not accurate at all. So this guy's going off of the premise that virtual reality is so real that it's training people to accurately kill. And this makes absolutely no sense. So he's again, never either used VR or he's never, you know, even seen it because if you see somebody playing VR, you see a lot of like, you know, back and forth and, and, and crouching and, and, and like being shocked by things. But it's not like I have barrels set up in my room and I run behind a barrel and then I'm using my weapon to like, 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 a you know, pump shot, load a pump shotgun and then cock it and then jump out from the barrel and shoot things. Like I'm standing in my room with a five by five radius and I'm looking around instead of turning an analog stick. So this guy has no clue. He has no clue. Um, so he taught, he said, he, he quotes again as the brain's motor system is engaged. Repeated movement when in virtual reality causes changes in brain structure. So he cites um, scientific uh, study. So you know what I did? I went and I looked at that study. <laughs> so it's a 16-page study uh, about uh, sensor sensory motor training in virtual reality, a review. Now, the first thing I want to say about this is the entire reason that this that this like study was done or this, this thesis, I don't even know what it technically is. It just, it's like a research paper is what it looks like. Um, let's see here. It says, uh, yeah, I don't know. It is, it's whatever. Okay. So the whole point of this article was to say that people who have loss of motor function could use VR to get motor functionality back. So it's, it's talking about how virtual reality helps people that have lost motor function. Okay. Um, it talks about how it restores neural function when it's lost. Okay. Not talking about how you have a fully functioning human who goes into VR and then it alters their brain. Okay. It's, it's mental that this guy found this article and this is what he was using. Now I'll be honest. I didn't read all 16 pages, maybe buried somewhere in this madness is him talking about that. I won't know because well, quite frankly, uh, I'm not going to read all this, but as I was scrolling down through it, I found an, an interesting part. So this is part five. And this is integration of vision and haptics in VR. So this is the quote from the scientific article. A a major development in the use of virtual environments has been the incorporation of tactile information and uh, interaction forces into what previously and essentially visual experience. Robots of varying complexity are being interfaced with more traditional VE presentations to provide haptic feedback. Now, haptic, if you don't know, is basically it's it's rumbling and it's um, it's meant to make you feel like you're in the game. So, for instance, um my iphone um is uh it has its its home button is haptic it's got like a a rumble feature where when you press it it feels like you're clicking in a button but you're not actually clicking a button it's just rumbling and clicking in a certain way to make you uh feel like you're pressing a button so haptic is gonna be really interesting as of right now there is no real haptic technology to go along with vr so we're not you know we're not 
we're not using this technology now. This isn't Ready Player One. Like, we don't have a glove and all those things and where we're virtually holding a sword. You know what I mean? Like, I'm holding on to the same device, whether I'm holding a sword or a torch or an axe or a gun, I'm holding the same crappy plastic dongle in my hand. It has no weight. It has no kick. Um, if you haven't heard my podcast before, I talk about how I grew up in the Midwest. I've fired guns my whole life. Uh, not really recently because I don't have a need for one. I'm not a hunter anymore. And so... Um, you have, when you, when you do VR, there is no way to simulate an actual gun, the kick, the weight, the, the pressure sensitivity of a trigger, like how light and, and, and how you can't even flinch that trigger before it'll pull and, and the, the anticipation, all that sort of stuff. You can only get that sort of experience from actually firing a real weapon. 100%. That's my own personal experience, but there is no way to seriously like argue that using that would, would, um, would train you to be better at, at uh, shooting weapons. Uh, in fact, like, and one of the arguments, um, I guess, let me, let me go on here. Cause he starts making different arguments. So in other words, this is his article. In other words, virtual reality is the ultimate training machine. The military has been using virtual reality to train soldiers for decades. Today, everyone from NFL quarterbacks trying to improve their play to retail employees trying to hone their customer service skills are using virtual reality training to enable an infinite number of mental repetitions. Okay, so let's stop again there. So yes, the military has been using virtual reality training. Um, same thing with like flight simulators. Uh, pilots will do a certain amount of time in a flight simulator. Like it's basically a video game, but it's it's taken out the fun basically to make it a simulation, which you could argue that Gran Turismo is a simulation. They actually call themselves a racing simulator. So these games aren't really games at all, according to him, because their one mandate is to be fun, according to him again. Uh, so when we start talking about the, uh, you know, how the military has been using this to train. I did an article years ago when I was writing on my, on my, on my video game blog about the unreal engine being used to train soldiers. So yes, uh, and same with NFL quarterbacks. So imagine this, like you've played Madden. Now imagine going into first person view in Madden that gives the quarterback a much better view of how it would look from his point of view when he sees a certain type of defense, right? So it, it, apply that to the military. You're going to have things like training, um, how to breach and clear. So you've got training where someone's going to, you're going to walk into a room and you're going to have like six doors on each side and you have to strategically like look, you know, and, and train maybe you're with three or four other people and you have to, you clear, then they go behind you, then you cover them while they clear and that sort of situation. So that's, that's what this training is used for. The training doesn't give you real world experience on how to fire a gun. That, that's what I can't stress enough, especially when he talks about how uh, the military is virtually training soldiers. It's not training soldiers how to fire a weapon, okay? They use live round exercises to do that. So again, they use guns to train people how to shoot guns. You know, follow my logic here. So continuing the article. My argument here is not that virtual reality games are going to cause people to become violent or that law enforcement or the military, for example, shouldn't have access to them. But if a possible mass shooter wants to hone his craft, we shouldn't hand him an over-the-counter digital boot camp. Well, okay, so stopping the article again. Th there isn't anything like that. So I've played a game called Robo Recall. It's probably my favorite VR game I've played so far. And I'm in a futuristic city fighting against an army of evil robots. 
It's not training me to do anything. Plus, in that game, you, you pull the guns from your hips. And then when you need to reload, you don't reload. You throw your guns, and then new ones materialize at your hips. And you grab new ones. You know, just like in real life, when your gun's out of ammo, I, like, throw it at the, at the bad guy, and then I pick up another gun that magically appears at my waist. Oh, wait, no, that's not realistic at all. Or games like Super Hot, which is basically like you're shooting mannequins. So, I mean, again, this this idea that somehow virtual reality is the most realistic thing in the entire world is just not accurate. And this guy's really frustrating me with his with his ill-informed and his like he's he has to have never used it. I'm sorry. If or if he has, he's not a video game player and he just played virtual reality for like the first time and was blown away by it, like many of us are. Um, so to continue the article. There are steps we can take to strike a balance between fun and safety. The, the, this is actually my favorite part of this article because this is where he brings up these asinine ideas that he's come up with on how he thinks virtual reality should change so that we don't train people how to be killers. This is, this is some of the best stuff here. So first, let's change the physics of bullets. Think about a Frisbee. In order to hit a target straight ahead, one needs to arc it to one side to account for its return swing. If virtual reality bullets also traveled with a slight curve, then virtual shooters would always be pointing away from a target to eventually hit it. This learned side aiming would likely carry over to the real world, and people would have trouble hitting a target straight ahead. A more subtle example can be seen in paintball, which has pellets that move slower than real bullets, and subsequently slightly change the way shooters aim the guns based on gravity, wind, and other factors. Okay, stop in the article again there. This is so stupid. He's arguing that in virtual reality, we should change it so that bullets have different physics so that if a real-world shooter decides who used virtual reality to train, to train, would, would shoot his gun differently because he was trained to not shoot at targets? This is so stupid. This is a whole new level of, like, idiotic, critical thinking. Like, this is, this is the opposite. What is the opposite of critical thinking? I don't know what it is, but that's what this guy's doing. Like, he's just pulling stuff out of his ass at this point. And um, so that, that makes no sense. So then his second, uh, going on, continuing with the article, his second recommendation. Second, guns in games should have shouldn't have the mechanics of real ones. You shouldn't hold a realistically weighted gun-shaped object and pull a trigger in virtual reality. Instead, to operate a virtual gun, you should flick your wrists or bend your elbows before you discount this idea, think about the wildly entertaining types of weapons one typically sees in superhero movies. Guns that are far too big for normal people to carry, for example. This way, muscle memory for virtual guns will be abstract. A player can log hundreds of hours as a virtual shooter and be utterly perplexed when picking up an actual gun. Okay, so back to the top. You shouldn't hold a realistically weighted gun-shaped object and pull a trigger in virtuality. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. There is no virtual reality game out there where you buy an, an officially accurate weighted weapon that's accurate 100% and you hold it and pull the trigger and go in virtual reality. It does not exist as a retail product. I'm not saying someone hasn't come up with something like that. Like, you know, even taking something like a Wii Remote and Cabela's Hunting, you could probably mount that into like a real shotgun that's been like bored out to like have parts for, right? But this does not exist. So what is he talking about? Like, he's saying that you shouldn't be able to do something that you can't do. So we're fine. 
Okay, dude, we can't do that. So I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Again, the controller that you hold, you don't, you wouldn't want your controllers to be the re the weight of real guns anyway, because real guns are heavy as hell. And, and like they tire you out, you know, like if you had to hold like a pistol and then be playing something like Robo Recall, where I've got two pistols out and I'm just constantly in my arms out, that would tire you the hell out. Probably a good workout, actually, uh, you know, build some muscle, but it just doesn't, what he's saying shouldn't be in the games doesn't even exist frustrating right annoying if you're gonna talk about a topic like this educate yourself it's frustrating to me i've been saying that a lot over the last couple weeks because this whole debate about gun violence causing people to be violent makes me just want to smash my head through a monitor and i'm not normally this angry of a guy like i don't get this fired up very often but this one is so annoying and i've been fighting this fight for like 20 or 30 years and it's getting really irritating to have this keep coming up you know virtual reality exists in every you know in every every game video game playing country in the world japan plays tons of games uh, australia plays tons of games europe plays tons of games they don't have the issue with guns that we have point blank now we're not the same country okay so i'm again not saying that guns are the problem i talked about this ad nauseum before i really think it's more this you know this status like i have to have a gun to be cool and then you throw in the perfect mix of someone being bullied in school someone being treated poorly someone feeling powerless gun equals power powerless now has power and that, that's really what it comes down to and and people who feel like they have no escape oftentimes many people will commit suicide when they feel that way some people don't and they do it this way or they do it this way with the school shooting and then they kill themselves anyway you know that that's the truth of it that's that's where we're at with it so uh then he goes on to say that uh Another change that makes sense, and he's happy to that most, if not all, virtuality games are adopting this strategy, is to have the targets in games be non-human. For example, virtual shooters should aim at robots. Robots move and are shaped differently from humans, but designers can animate them to move much faster than humans or to have skills that humans don't, like flying. Hence, virtual reality would teach skills that would not work as well when aiming at people. Uh, so stopping the article there, um, I don't... I don't know what he's talking about. Like he, he acts like this is a strategy that companies are adopting. It's what games have been doing forever. Games are unique experiences that someone creates. So someone loved the idea like Robo Recall of shooting in a robot apocalypse, but someone else could create a game where it's shooting people. And like, what does it matter if people are shooting people in VR or if they're shooting robots? Like it, it makes no difference. And, and he's, he's cited no scientific information whatsoever. That's going to prove his point that shooting at humans in a game causes people to be more violent. We've never had that. Look at how many times we've been shooting at call of duty or, um, you know, like, like you shoot, you know, really, I'd argue that call of duty is a war simulator. It's trying to be as realistic as possible, but you know what? That game is aimed for mature adults aged 18 or older. So again, if kids are getting this and they're being warped by it, why don't we look into how these kids are getting these games? You know, that's a little bit different. Um, and again, he talks about how Call of Duty is a 2D game. It's not, it, it's, first of all, it's not a 2D game. Like, yes, it's on a 2D plane. And yes, virtual reality technically has like 3D, but, but what does that have to do with anything? Like, like making 3D makes it any more realistic? You only have to do that because you need depth perception to pick things up in VR. I mean, it's, Give me a break, this guy. Um, so anyway, uh, to close, he says, in a perfect world, perhaps we wouldn't have virtual shooters at all. But for as long as we've had media, people have delighted in violent content. 
hey, I agree with them on something. Some of my own favorite science fiction films and television series are gory and terrifying. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that violent video games are a protected form of free speech. And for years, the top-selling video games have been first-person shooters. Virtual reality is on the cusp of becoming a mainstream consumer product, and every year, content becomes more and more realistic. Lucky for the designing companies, they have a little more time to think through some of the potential negative consequences of what they are creating. End of the article. Thank God, because this guy was really pissing me off. So, yeah, so at the end, he's basically saying, you know, it's video game creators are on are on the cusp of becoming immoral and that there are such negative consequences to making these murder simulators that they're making, you know, and it's like, does this guy talk about like rap music, too, where they talk about, you know, gang violence and stuff? I mean, is he is he up on them that that they're creating that and maybe warping youth's mind with that? Or is it just video games or, you know, what else does this guy blame for this crap? So anyway, that's the article. The final point I want to put on everything is that I just want to like stamp this as hard as possible. This guy is ridiculous. He has no understanding of the video game industry whatsoever. The fact that he's writing an article for CNN, um, you know, basically tells me that he has no clue what he's talking about. And he's not a gamer. He's never played games for any like large subsequent amount of time and he just wanted to write an article to other people that are ill-informed about video games and try to try to try to sway them you know and uh this is the worst kind of news because this is the full and to be fair it's an opinion piece so let me just make that clear and and it is uh it is an opinion piece it's a social commentary piece fine this guy's an idiot so i'm moving on because th this is so asinine to me um but what we're moving on to is uh let's see here um let me close this window out so we're moving on then to the story about how president trump has invited the game industry to speak on gun violence this week so originally last week they had commented that president trump was meeting with uh, members of the video game industry this week so i said that last week but even the esa who created the esrb rating and they they represent they're basically a lobbying group that that represents the interest of video game publishers and developers. So EA, um, you know, Activision, all the big guys are all part of the ESA. And so ESA had made a comment last week that said, we've not been approached at all to talk about this meeting. So they're the head of the people who are in charge of essentially all of the companies that, that, that talk about video games and they weren't essentially invited well that has changed so apparently now um this is the article so the entertainment software association the esa the leading video game trade group so um like i said lobby group <laughs> they told polygon that they received an invitation today to meet with the trump administration that invitation comes four days after a meeting with members of the video game industry was announced during a white house press brief uh, press briefing so the meeting is going to take place on March 8th and is expected to discuss gun violence in the wake of school shooting in Parkland, Florida, the left 17 dead, obviously a couple weeks ago. Authorities have announced no connection to video games, and it's unclear what role, if any, games played in that incident. Uh, so this is a quote uh, from the ESA. Quote, the upcoming meeting at the White House, which ESA will attend, will provide the opportunity to have a fact-based conversation about video game ratings, our industry's commitment to parents, and the tools we provide to make informed entertainment choices. Uh, so uh, last week, um, President Trump had a meeting with the, with the NRA um, and basically uh, talked about how, you know, after saying certain things like we wanted to raise the age limit to buy guns, background checks, Trump, uh, President Trump actually came out and was for a lot of those things. 
after meeting with the NRA, uh, which was kind of described as a freewheeling event, um, a, a lot of, uh, after, after the meeting, basically everything he said kind of seemed to be pulled back and he started talking really good. Oh, the NRA is great. You know, oh yeah, we're not going to have any issues. The NRA is great. And so I guess that brings to me then the question that what's going to happen when he talks to, to the ESA and these other video game industry members like is he going to look at what they say and go oh okay yeah that makes sense i won't we won't blame video games anymore or is he just calling them in to somehow almost trap them into admitting things like how violent their games are because like president trump we know this that he shoots from the hip a lot of the times and i'm i'm worried that he's going to do like he had a meeting with lawmakers about the gun debate right and one of the gun makers said um something about you know we don't have anything about the age being limited uh, because we're talking about a different bill, a bill that they've been talking about forever. And President Trump was like, because you're scared of the NRA. You're scared of the NRA. Just say you're scared. And so basically he kind of jumps out and jumps down this guy's throat when that wasn't actually accurate. This guy's been fighting against um, the NRA's policies of not wanting any gun legislation. So this guy's been trying to get little pieces chipping away. And um, so so I'm curious. So what are these video game people going to be describing to Trump what they do? And then all of a sudden going to be like, well, you're you're training kids how to be killers. You know, I mean, like, I don't know how that means going to go. And I don't even know. I know that President Trump doesn't know anything about video games. Um, I know he he just is disconnected from that. He's so much older than we are. Um, and so he just doesn't. It's just not his thing, you know. So. Um, so this is what. Uh, this is what Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who is the White House press secretary, said, quote, next week. He'll also be meeting with members of the video game industry to see what they can do on that front as well. This is going to be an ongoing process and something something we don't expect to happen overnight, but something that we're going to continue to be engaged in and continue to look forward to the best ways possible to make sure we're doing everything we can to protect schools across the country. So like I said, at that time, the ESA had no idea there was a meeting. So they basically announced a meeting before having anybody showing up to the meeting, which always a great idea, right? So this was another quote from the ESA about the topic video games are enjoyed around the world and numerous authorities and reputable scientific studies have found no connection between games and real life violence like all americans we are deeply concerned about the level of gun violence in the united states video games are plainly not the issue entertainment is distributed and consumed globally but the u.s has an exponentially higher level of gun violence than any other nation so uh and a couple reminders i was kind of mentioning earlier but the esa established the ESRB rating system in 1994. It was actually the same year as the federal assault weapon ban, which has subsequently lapsed uh, in 2004, that did, um, which the rating system applies to all games sold in the U.S. and has been shown by the FTC to be successful at keeping mature games out of the hands of children. Okay. Uh, the industry policed itself, and we got successful results. Um, in January 2013, following the Sandy Hook shooting, representatives from the ESA ESRB and a number of prominent game publishers met with the vice president, Joe Biden and his gun violence commission at the same time. Uh, so that's just a little bit of news about what's happening. So obviously the meeting's not until Thursday. Um, and so I'll hopefully have more news about that. I'll probably do a quick video on Thursday or Friday just to kind of follow up to see what happened there. Um, but again, it's the, even the idea, like, like, what is he th i guess here's what irritates me he doesn't know anything about the esrb he doesn't know anything about video games he doesn't know how self-regulated they already are and i know last week i was really really crapping hard on the esrb and the esa about how they're handling the gambling and and um 
this game requires additional content to be purchased label that they're going to start putting on games or whatever in-game purchases. So I know I was crapping on them for that, but the way they've done violent video games and the way they've worked and gotten things like the ESRB actually would send uh, secret shoppers into stores to make sure stores like GameStop, Walmart, Best Buy were actually enforcing the rules. And again, it wasn't a law. So if they didn't enforce it, they didn't have to. But then oftentimes those companies would get in trouble because they'd release these reports and say, oh, Walmart got an A. They don't sell a single game to anyone under 18 if it's maturated or 17. It's technically 17. And then you've got somebody, you know, and then GameStop for a while, we weren't doing it. And they would come back and be like, oh, you know, we had a 20% failure rate of stores not asking for ID when carding somebody for a video game. And you're like, oh, geez, okay. So then we worked in that. And there was actually a while, because this is this is kind of GameStop mentality. If you don't know, I worked there for 11 years. So I, I know the business quite well. Uh, and their big thing was, their big thing was, if you do anything wrong, if you can't fix this, we'll fire you instantly. <laughs> that was just, that was their thing. Whoops. That was the thing. If you can't do this right, we'll fire you instantly. And you're like, okay, uh, so guess guess what? You shape up real quick when you have a chance to lose your job. So, uh, but they police themselves, and they did a really good job of it. Walmart, GameStop, Best Buy, those places still check. I mean, yeah, you could argue that small mom and pop shops, maybe in like my stores, we're not secret shopped. We're not really held to that same standard. But we're not doing the volume of a Best Buy, GameStop, or a Walmart. So, you know, really... Um, what they're talking about has already been done. Like, like the video game industry is already working on what they're talking about. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what comes out of that. I would like to see president Trump come out of that meeting and say, you know what? This industry is already regulating itself. We don't need any government intervention. They're doing a good job. Parents, we need to maybe have like a, a national program of maybe, maybe they could start putting the ESRB rating. Like the, the government could promote that as to make awareness of it. Um, or maybe the government will give them funding so that the ESA can do a, a nationwide campaign about how to educate yourself about what the game ratings mean. But that doesn't always help. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, I worked at GameStop for 11 years. I left there seven years ago to open my own store, Game Trade. So my store... Um, when I talk to parents, like a, a, a kid will come up, a five-year-old kid will come up with Grand Theft Auto V. And the parent will be there and I'll say, hey, just so you know, this game has a lot of bad stuff in it. It's pretty much the worst of the worst. Like it is, it's about as bad as you can get for crime-related things. There's nudity. There's similar, you know, like there's sexual content. There's torture. All kinds of things. You know, like the worst of the worst is, is where we're at here with, with GTA. And, and not really, but it's, it is. Like it's got, every, it's got a little of everything that would make a game offensive. It's kind of what GTA is. And, and I've actually had parents say, well, how bad is the nudity? And so I'll say, well, I mean, there's like a strip club you can go into, which has like topless virtual women in it. But I guess I'm like, but you don't have to go there. So I guess there's not really any forced nudity in the game. Oh, okay. Well, I'm okay with the violence as long as it's not nudity. Really? Like that, that's, that's where you draw the line nudity and, and violence. Okay. Okay whatever you say and uh and so that happens a lot though and it happens a lot where even parents will go he's just gonna play at his friend's house anyway i might as well get it for him <sighs> you know and like like they're giving up <laughs> like you're the damn parent okay now i'm not a parent um but i'd like to think if i was one i wouldn't just be exhausted be like well the kid wants what he wants he gets what he wants what the hell kind of mentality is that you're the damn parent you're training essentially these kids you're training them to be future human adults Please do a good job because I have to coexist with these future human adults on the same planet. Please do a better job. Please, like, please, please, please. <laughs> so we'll see what's going on with that meeting later on. 
parents need to step up. I would love to see, like I said, some nationwide funding or, or advertising rollout or a tax break for the ESA where, or a grant where they can maybe do um, educational uh, speeches at schools and stuff like that. So that's what I'd like to see. So moving on from the video game violence debate, because I've reached my limit, <laughs> moving on to another topic, which is which is equally as frustrating. So uh, there was an article on... Uh, Kotaku's compete division, which is kind of their, um, where they talk about esports competitions and stuff. And this was the headline. So I keep this podcast PG, as you all know, I guess maybe PG 13 today. Cause I said ass earlier, but you know what I mean? I keep this thing. Pretty. So I'm gonna have to dance around some words here. So, so bear with me now. The, the, the premise of the article is an overwatch pro called an opponent blank and an ESPN reporter who broke the story was immediately called out because he also has racist and sexist tweets. But the word, he, uh, so the phrase he said was he called another player an effing, but the real word, obviously, an effing blank blank G-G-O-T. So basically an effing, insert derogatory term for a homosexual here. Okay? Y you can figure it out. A word that uh, that's often used, quite honestly, in the online scene. Um, so I'm 36 years old. I, I was born in 81, and I, I grew up without the internet i i was maturing while the internet when aol was hitting big i was growing up with it so i got my first computer and i was playing diablo and starcraft online so like mid 90s is when i hit the internet and started going as far back as i can remember this has always been an issue like the derogatory speak the 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 anonymous nature of the internet brings out the worst in people um now when i was a kid my younger brother and i we used to <laughs> we used to go into chat rooms like it was over 60. It was like an AOL chat was over 60. We'd go in there and we would pretend like we were looking to hook up with an older lady. Okay, it's really childish and stupid, okay? But because we were anonymous, you felt like you could say whatever you wanted to. My very first memory of using the internet was actually at my cousin John's house. And we went into a... <laughs> We went into a chat room as Chef Ray, as a as an homage to Raekwon the chef from the Wu Tang Clan, because <laughs> we were ten, you know twelve. Why wouldn't you listen to Wu Tang Clan when you're twelve? And uh, and we went in there and we were just talking trash to people. Now I wasn't saying things like this, but I was saying things like, "Oh, you suck. You're you're dumb. You're an idiot." And then they would talk trash back to me, and I felt invincible because you know me. I'm some nobody on the internet. I could say whatever I want. So that, that grew and that expanded. And then I think once we, um, once we started oozing into the competitive gaming added with voice chat, it kind of ramped it up because sometimes you'll think something, you'll say something, and then you type something. So if you think it and then you say it, but if you aren't on voice chat, a lot of times you won't get to that third step of actually typing it. If you're on voice chat, sometimes you think it and then you stop before that second step. And sometimes people don't. Uh, and I think that that's a problem with the toxicity we have. I mean, like, I don't think anybody would ever argue that any game you play is toxic. I played a lot of Rocket League um, over the summer last year. And every single game I was in, if I was playing with random people and I made a mistake, I was an effing this and effing that, a loser, a, a derogatory term for homosexual. I was everything. I should go kill myself. I should uninstall and kill myself. I've, I've gotten that a bunch of times. My YouTube video comments sometimes, people just say like, you're boring and fat, go kill yourself. I mean, it's this, it's this anonymous being able to say whatever you want is, is incredible and it's, it's very, very toxic. 
Now, this is the culture we've been brought up in. Now, though, that video games have such a spotlight shown on them, especially when it comes to esports, it's starting to we're starting to dig through that. And I think these teams are going to realize very quickly that you need to have a PR person on your team, just like an NFL team would. When you're in college and you're in high school, a big high school and and in a college, and if, uh, football players and basketball players, there are members of the team like the management that are meant to teach you how to talk to the press. If you ever watch NFL players do interviews, they're incredibly boring because it's always the same thing. It's always, well, you know, my teammates got me here and, and the other team was a great team. You know, it's like they just blew out like the, 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 the Patriots just blew out the Browns like 47 to zero. And they're like, well, that's a real talented football team. They got some really great guys and don't let the record fool you. They're a great team. Great bunch of guys. Well, they always say that because they're basically like programmed to talk like that. They're they're trained on how to properly talk to the press. Now, these esports teams are going to realize real quickly that they've got some serious culture training to do on these players because they're plucking players out that have grown up in this toxic, anonymous internet life, have been a certain way for a long time, and now they're basically being thrust into the spotlight. So here's the here's the actual report. So an Overwatch pro, um, let's see, uh, someone filed a support ticket with Blizzard after Overwatch League player Taimu, I don't I don't know his real name. Unfortunately, this article didn't say his name's Taimu Taimau Taimu. I'm not a big esports watcher, so I'm sorry if I don't get it. He called another player an effing derogatory homosexual term kid on a Twitch stream on January 23rd, and the Overwatch League has yet to comment publicly. While his team, the Dallas Fuel, sent this statement to compete, which is, again, the, the part of Kotaku that reached out. Quote, in regards to the Dallas Fuel, we do recognize that our players and all those in the Overwatch League are constantly under the microscope. Contact from ESPN is the first I'm aware of receiving related... Uh, I'm is the first I'm aware of receiving related to what you referenced below. As an organization, we strive to provide players with advice and resources to help them balance professionalism needed to compete at a league level with the individual personalities that may have gained them popularity or their own followings. As you've seen recently, we certainly do look into any situation that goes against a code of conduct befitting the team and or league. So there's a couple, uh, end quote. So there's a couple of interesting things in this quote. One, we strive to provide players with advice and resources to help them balance professionalism needed to compete at a league level and the individual personalities that may have gained them popularity or their own following. So they're talking about how they're like, apparently, so we strive to, so apparently this team, the, uh, the Dallas fuel actually provide players with advice and resources to help them balance that and figure that out. So again, do things happen? We talked last year about PewDiePie dropping the N word during a stream, you know, it was almost like it was, and he knew it as soon as he did it, he knew it, he knew it was a mistake and he just, it, he screwed up. But that was in him somewhere. You know, this was in this guy somewhere. Even though he's a professional, he's a professional player, and he has he, he had no understanding. He couldn't hold back that urge, even though he's a professional getting paid to play. So, unfortunately, the story is actually two parts. Uh, so the first part um, was uh, um, because if you remember, I did a story a month or so ago. It was a month or two months ago where another member of the Dallas fuel, uh, a teammate of Taimu told a gay rival to suck a fat blank. So we talked about that as well. The fuel suspended him, uh, rather than talk about him being under the microscope. So we don't know if the team is starting to lighten up on that 
with them saying things in regard to other players, or if it's more of they just had at the time of them saying this, they hadn't actually heard it or seen the evidence and the proof. They might have wanted to wait before they make the decision. So we'll see if he ends up getting. Uh, we'll see if uh, if he ends up getting suspended like his teammate did about the story we did a, a while back. So. Um, now, according to ESPN's Jacob Wolf, the the writer who broke the story, the person who filed the report on on him said that due to privacy and security concerns, we will not be able to discuss specifics like how we investigate these or what actions we'll be taking from here. Rest assured, however, this has not been ignored. Okay, so they're looking into it. Um, despite the claim, the Overwatch League hasn't commented publicly on the situation, and if the fuel suspended him, he last played on February twenty first. They haven't said so publicly. So, so what they're saying is he hasn't played since February 21st. And if they have suspended him, they haven't mentioned it as like a public outcry sort of thing. Um, so then the interesting part though, so of course no story is just one-sided. So you have that, that all happened. And then the person who breaks a story, the, the collective internet goes just haywire and basically finds deep, deep in his Twitter history about him using that same derogatory uh, term for homosexuals in his tweets. Um, he's used it multiple times. Uh, he was also, um, he, he was making sexist remarks, racist remarks, I guess. And, uh, and all the like. So of course the person who's commenting and breaks the story apparently forgets that he can't write a story like that without going back and scrubbing his own tweet history. I don't really care about that. Um, I think what's more important though, is we need to get to a point where, these players, I don't know how they don't realize that they can't do that, especially on a Twitch stream, you know, and, and here's the thing you're, they need. And I know it's a new industry, right? And they're going to learn these lessons the hard way. Your whole life is under the microscope. You can't even go hang out with your friends and make that comment anymore because you don't know who's recording you. Like, oh man, I saw Tamu. Like I saw him out and about at Jack in the box. So I, I was recording him, And then I caught him on, on, on my phone saying this, and you can't say it ever. I mean, you shouldn't say it anyway, but you can't ever think that you're safe to say it, especially in a live stream for crying out loud. So it, it's it. But again, it harkens back to this whole it harkens back to the whole. This is how everyone was was forged in the fires of the Internet. You know, th th this this was the Internet for a lot of people and using that language and it's spread like a wildfire. And it's just it's ingrained in so many people. It is what it is, but we have to be better than that. We have to work to fix that. Um, and I remember when I was playing World of Warcraft and I ran a raiding guild for many, many years. And as I met amazing people and I met great people, some of the terminology I used, things like saying, oh, that's retarded or, oh, that's, um, you know, that's mental or whatever I would say, certain people took offense to that, you know? And, and again, this isn't like a kumbaya, you know, but you care about your friends and you don't want them to feel uncomfortable by saying terrible things. So I adjusted my vocabulary to, to not be that way anymore. And, and that's what these people need to do too. They need to adjust their vocabulary. That word needs to be just completely stricken and not just because we tell them to not because it's a social norm, but because they need to realize the impact of that. Same thing with PewDiePie. Like, how did he, like, he did realize it after he said it, but that's the sort of thing that he, he should have realized the impact that that would have. And, and, uh, and it's disappointing to me that, that these players don't. And I think, you know, every few months we're going to hear another story about this because we've plucked, you know, and actually I'm, I'm going to give shout out to somebody. I'm sure they don't listen to the podcast here, but if by some crazy chance, uh, his, his username blood sense on the Kotaku forums, and he made a great comment that I really liked, uh, a couple days ago about it. 
So he said, so what you're saying is taking a group of individuals traditionally known for being socially awkward misogynists who have, and I shouldn't uh, assume that this is a guy, but uh, being socially awkward misogynists who have spent years competing in an environment where they had complete anonymity and could say whatever to whomever they please with little or no repercussions and turning into celebrities overnight should have been a little more thought out and just throwing money at them and putting them on TV. And that that's really a good way of looking at it was you had people with these toxic attitudes and toxic um, speech and you all of a sudden one day throw them some money, say you're a professional gamer, put them on TV every week and here you go and not expect them to have, you know, th there should have been more thought went into that. But again, the people that own these teams aren't often like big gamers. Like, like it was people like owners of the new England Patriots getting into buying an esports team and stuff like that, you know? So, uh, it it'll be interesting to see, it'll be interesting to see where this goes in the future, but it's not getting any better. Unfortunately, it seems like every few months we have another story about this where some other professional says something ridiculous and forgets he's on camera or forgets he's on stream or something. But again, the issue is not that he forgot he was on stream. The issue is that that's even in his vocabulary or her vocabulary at all. So, um, moving a little bit on from that, sticking to kind of the same topic, but there was an article yesterday about Ubisoft. Um, this was a polygon article, uh, entitled Ubisoft wants to put an end to hate speech in rainbow six siege. Uh, so there's now a new player code of conduct that is going to um, result in permanent bans for using racial and homophobic slurs or hate speech. So this was the quote from Ubisoft. We will be tracking the frequency at which language that violates the code of conduct is used by individual players. Uh, referring to publishing guidelines that have been in place for some time and will apply the appropriate ban on a case-by-case -case basis. Uh, so apparently for a while, they've always had something called forbidden conduct. Um, and so it was originally kind of defined as any language or content deemed illegal, dangerous, threatening, abusive, obscene, vulgar, defamatory, hateful, racist, sexist, ethically offensive, or constituting harassment is forbidden. That was their original stance. So I guess they never made it clear that that would equal an instant permanent ban. Now they're coming right out and saying it. And so they're trying to clean up their community through really strict uh, enforcement. Um, you know, and I, I think the only thing that's really going to work because I, I, I really believe this is to not have, you know, not be anonymous on the internet. And I know like a lot of people hear that and just would gasp and think how terrible the internet would be if everybody knew everything about the person saying it. But think about this for a second. You would think about the things you would say more. Half the things you say on the internet to people or write on Facebook to people or Twitter DMs, you would not say that to someone's face. Very rarely would you ever say something like that to someone's face. And and so we have to start looking at these other players like they're people and not like they're some in-game bot. You know, they are real people with real feelings. Like, and again, don't cry me a river or anything here, but I'm saying like when, when someone, you know, tells me to kill myself because I'm a boring and fat idiot on YouTube, it does hurt. Of course it hurts, you know? And all you can do is remove that person's comment and remove that person's visual um, or, you know, from being seen on the page. That's all you can do. But, I mean, it's still, you still get it. And that's the whole point of them doing it. They're trying to inflict damage, right? And so eventually you get thicker skin. I've already, uh, the Billy Mitchell video that did so well, I've been getting so many negative comments. So many great positive ones too, but so many negative comments that especially with the East side Dave thing, so many uh, negative comments that like you do harden your skin a little bit. So that's good. Like I need to do that, you know, but it, it's, we, I think, and I don't, I don't even know if I'd want this because I like being anonymous. I like, I like being a code name. You know, I like the fact that we all have handles on the internet. 
I love that I came up with one when I was 13 years old and I still try to use it, you know, because that's me, you know, and it was something that was cool on the matrix, you know, like, like he was Mr. Anderson in, in real life, but he was Neo. Well, technically he was Neo. <laughs> it's Mr. Anderson in the matrix and then Neo in the real world, but you know what I mean? You get what I'm trying to say. And, uh, so I almost wonder if that's the only way to truly break this toxicity. You know, I, I don't know how else to do it. And I guess you can put strict bans on people, but then let's buy the game again, or start a new account. You know, I, I don't know. Now, uh, apparently this is only going to work on the PC version of Rainbow Six Vegas because uh, they're, Ubisoft is leaving it up to Sony and Microsoft to handle their own banning and code of conduct for their players. So totally makes sense. Um, and uh, depending on the severity of the issue being reported, Ubisoft said that the bans can also be made permanent. So they're not necessarily going to be permanent unless it's a very serious offense. Um, so... Yeah, so so that's that's their attempt to try to clean up their toxic environments, and they're trying to 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 weed out the bad players from the good. And you know, it's it's been a long running joke for years that Xbox Live you had thirteen year old kids screaming at you saying that they banged your mom, you know, and it's been a joke forever. But it's true, and it's since the original Xbox and PS Two added voice chat, that's when and and this may be inaccurate, but this is how I've always viewed it, being kind of a, an industry insider from the retail side of video gaming. I've always looked at the Xbox did usher in a new era of uh, Xbox Live was an incredible service when it came out. It just absolutely destroyed the PS2 online, even though I'm more of a Sony guy. Like it was just true. The X Xbox Live was a great service. You had to pay for it, but it was still a great service. And so you but you, you know, you could buy a package that came with Xbox Live and a headset. So most people on Xbox Live had a headset and almost everybody was just talking trash to each other all the time. And that's just, you know, so it, the Xbox, Xbox live kind of brought in a new, this kind of bro gamer that was super uber competitive, say whatever they wanted to, didn't care what people thought. And, uh, and, and I think that's, that's evolved. And it's not just X, it's not Microsoft's fault. I'm not saying that at all. It's not Xbox Live's fault. It's the people that, that liked those competitive online games, had that attitude, had that fierce competitive trash talking attitude. And so now it's gonna be very curious to see if these sort of measures even work. You know, what happens if someone falsely accuses you of something you said and you didn't actually say it? I, I don't know. And, and and so now you might have false claims. You can have all this sort of stuff. And it, it's a slippery slope, I know. But I think that's going to be the true the true way to really prevent this is we're going to have to be held accountable for the things we say. And if you're anonymous, you can't be held accountable for the things you say. Uh, so that is all I had for topics today. So then we're going to get to the game of the week that I want to talk about. So today I'm, I'm, I'm reaching deep into a great, great gem, Shadowgate for the NES. This is one of my all-time favorite Nintendo games. It is one of my all-time favorite games, actually. It is a, let's see if I can flip it around and kind of show you. It is a, I guess essentially you'd call it a point-and-click adventure game. You walk around in first person. Imagine a game like Myst. It's not action-oriented, you know. But uh, you have all these, I'll kind of hold it up there. You have all these little, you know, commands and stuff you can do. You walk into a room and you can pick up a sword and you pick up a skull. You have to use that skull in another room to unlock like a hidden treasure or something like that. And this one is neat because it's medieval themed. So you've got magic and dragons and, and swords and ghosts and all that sort of stuff. And this company went on to make other games, which I'll talk about maybe even the next couple weeks. Uh, they did Deja Vu, which was the same style game, but set, uh, take place so like a like a very noir detective story. And then they have one called Uninvited, which is basically the same as Shadowgate, except in like a haunted house with ghosts and stuff like that. Really, really cool stuff. So Shadowgate for the NES. You can also get it on Game Boy Color. 
Uh, really, really awesome game. I love this game a lot. They did a remake of this or something on Steam. I never played it, though. I don't know. It was, like, redone in New Engine and stuff. But it was pretty good. Um, as always, I want to thank everybody for listening and taking the time out of your day to to uh, get some insight from me. I really appreciate it. If you're checking this out on YouTube, if you could mash that subscribe button, like, follow, share, anything you can do, we appreciate it. Uh, on Twitter, you can follow me. I'm at DropRateGreg. Would uh, would love to have anybody follow. Uh, and you can message me anytime. We'll chat. You know, I'm, I'm very uh, reachable as, as it comes to uh, all this sort of stuff. If you're listening on SoundCloud or on iTunes, thank you very much for finding us. I, I'm very glad that uh, you, you like listening to us there. If you watch YouTube, we'd love for you to hop over. You can go to youtube.com slash the drop rate and uh, find our channel there or go to droprate.life. That's our website. It'll redirect you right to our YouTube page. And uh, lastly, again, if you really like my content, uh, don't forget DropRate is a collective of three different people. But if you like my content, you can always look for the little sprite dude down in the corner uh, wearing my shirt. Uh, that's going to be all the videos tagged that I do. So um, and, and there's a playlist for Meet Greg and uh, Greg Talks and Greg Rants and stuff. So, But uh, definitely check out the other content. Jordan does a lot of great videos and a lot of great indie games you may not have played. So uh, again, thank you everybody. So much fun doing this every single week. I, I appreciate you. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.